0: Hello from all around the world and welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter Spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn more from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. I am excited about today's guest, the undisputed crypto NFT king of Twitter Spaces. I am so grateful that he took a small break from his shows to come share his crypto journey story with us because I know right before this he had a show and likely right after he'll have a show as well. In 2017, he uh, started in the crypto space and has been spotting trends in the space ever since. As an early DeFi investor, he parlayed his success into NFTs and now his CryptoPunk portfolio alone has a current value of over a million dollars. Fractional Art was also smart enough to see this potential and bring him on as a Community and marketing manager, Dee's Phi. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, man! Thanks for having me. That was um, the, the kindest and you know <laughs> highly elevating welcome I think I've ever had. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's the goal. I always, I do always want to start by taking a minute to just recognize the magnitude of um, people in this space. Sometimes we downplay our successes, and it's so important to kind of hear what we're doing and why it's so important, and what you're doing is really important. So what I want to do, we always start with the same question on um, this podcast, which is just spending a minute or two explaining your journey into crypto in general. I gave a little backstory about when it started, but what initially drew you into the crypto space um, in 2017?
1: Yeah, so I had known about Bitcoin for a while from my friends who would play RuneScape and sell gold for Bitcoin, Um, I never did it myself because I never wanted to sell my gold in RuneScape. I was one of those kids who just like, well, I was in college, so I guess I wasn't a kid, but I wanted to just like have maxed out gear and then maxed out aesthetics in the game and like flex my status in the game. I didn't really care about money and I didn't know much about finance. Um, Fast forward to 2017, um, I was playing Daily Fantasy, like really low stakes um, NFL and NBA Daily Fantasy. And I wasn't doing as well as I would like to be, and a lot of the people in my group were making way more money on Bitcoin and Ethereum. I was like talking to them about it for a couple of weeks, and I realized I should take all the money I have in Daily Fantasy and just put this all into this Ethereum. And I, I, put, I bought Litecoin and Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And I just put a couple thousand dollars I had in Daily Fantasy, and like it was just like, fuck it. This looks way more plus EV. Looks like it's gonna take less skill. And I was getting, like, sick of grinding NBA fantasy anyway. It's a lot of work. You're watching games every night. um, And I don't love the NBA as much as I like the NFL. So it was a no-brainer. I got in. I had no idea what I was doing. Got on a VPN. Got on Binance. Just started slinging shit around. um, (laughs) And it just worked out. (laughs) Like, anybody could have gotten right back then. Um, I got in, I think, maybe around Thanksgiving that year. So it was, like, right when things started Going parabolic, parabolic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like I was on top of the world, right? Like here I am, like felt like I was gonna buy a house from mm-hmm. like this little initial investment because I had gotten so lucky. Um fast forward to 2018, um slowly losing all that money. <laughs> um, it's almost yeah. all gone. Like everything I had won, I parlayed into something else at the top that eventually became like a ninety or eighty percent loss. Mm-hmm. Um, no idea about risk management, no idea about what the fuck I was doing. This like, oh, I mean, this worked like three months ago. Let's just keep doing it one. these used to not pop up. Uh-huh. Um, then got into leverage trading and lost the rest of what I had throughout the course of 2018. Um, started reading about like personal finance and investing in the end of 2018. Um, and then started dollar cost averaging back into mostly Ethereum um, with a little bit of Bitcoin. And for like the last year of that, I just dollar cost averaged and kind of forgot about crypto. I was pretty much like thinking, okay, if I just put in some every two to four weeks, this is going to be enough and um, I can't lose it trading like I did before because I'm too ignorant. Yeah. Fast forward to the pandemic, like we'll just go all the way to there. Um, I'm working from home now, so I'm not in the office five days a week. Um, Everything was kind of down in the dumps and I had some money on the side. Um so I threw some into Uniswap and just started messing around with like really garbage. It was stuff on Uniswap, I have like a fifty thousand dollar market cap. You plug it in, import it, adjust your slippage to like five or ten percent and just punt
0: uh yeah.
1: half an ETH or a quarter of an ETH or even point one ETH into just like these really small projects and hope they take off. And then you'd go into like telegrams and start talking about them and see if anyone else was looking at the one you were looking at, and you'd like have this uniswap new listing bot that would come up and say hey this was just listed and you'd click it and you'd look at the contract and see like can they mint more is this gonna be a rug um and we would just ape into all this horrible garbage with mm-hmm. like 0.1 or these small amounts and it just became <laughs> like you get a big win and you'd make like five ethereum off 0.1 or something and you'd be like holy shit!" you just keep entering like 0.1 or 0.25 and all these small things and I did that all summer, like during the pandemic, basically just messing around with garbage and um, then yield farming got popular. And then I was like, all right, let's do some of this. And you're farming stuff as soon as it comes out and you're like playing a game of musical chairs and hoping that you don't get rugged and that you get some money out of it. Gas became too expensive for it to really um, be profitable for small players and I started looking at punks because one of my friends from this space of like buying absolute garbage told me, hey, I'm buying a zombie punk and you should buy punks with the money we had made from the garbage and we're like, oh, okay, I mean, I can't buy a zombie punk. That's way too much Ethereum. That would be like 30 of my Ethereum, which at the
0: time was like
1: 12 grand, 15 grand. It wasn't much. Yeah. Um, so I bought a floor punk for like $1,000. And when
0: was this? What September, time? September. September. September 20- okay. Okay.
1: So, like, punks had just had this little run. They went from like a three to a five E4 when I first joined. And I got that initial rush of dopamine of, like, oh, wow, this is like flipping shit in RuneScape. Like, I can buy this for three and sell it for four. And this is pretty, like, fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I started looking at punks as, like, these rare items to trade amongst people who wanted to flex status. And I was really slow to start. Like, I bought one hoodie. For seven ETH, I panicked and I sold them two months later for seven ETH. Like I, I didn't like them. Uh, the market kind of died down after September, like um, November and December. It was there were days where punks didn't even sell, and that wasn't even like a year ago. Did you sell but punks be- for
0: losses at that point? Where you get nervous? Uh, and no, because
1: I, no? I only had that hoodie. Okay. The only one I had left was this hoodie I bought for seven, and I knew that someone would pay seven for it eventually. And it wasn't that big of a risk for me. Like at the time I had a lot of sushi uh-huh. and I didn't have a lot of pumps. So I wasn't like really too worried about this one punk. I was just thinking, Oh, when it sells, I'll buy one. I like more. Yeah. I think I bought one with a top hat cause I really liked the top hats. Um, but around this like December timeframe, January, when DeFi went off, um, I started looking at punks again because I had done decently with DeFi. I had a a good amount of Sushi. Sushi went up a couple multiples. I sold it way too early and missed out on, like, a lot of the upside. But I had some ETH that I wanted to put back into punks. So I kind of went through all my attributes. I had a list of punks that I really liked. And I basically just sat in the Discord, like, eight hours a day, 12 hours a day, talking to everybody, typing to everybody, trying to figure out, like, who every owner is, who owns what punks, like, can I ever get these punks? Like I had a method to what I wanted to collect and I was really looking for like, really it was a, um, I wanted a hoodie with 3d glasses. Um, I liked the pipe cause I smoke a lot of weed. So like, I was like, okay, I gotta have a lot of pipes. Uh-huh. And then I really liked albino top hats. So those were the things that I was kind of focused on getting and it just so happened, like, in January, the developers started to counter-offer if you bid on their punks. And they had a lot of the punks I wanted. So I was like, okay, this is my time to, like, try to get the punks that I want to hold for a long time because I might not have a chance. Like, yeah. I had figured that punks were going to pump at some point because they're the status items there's only 10,000 of. And there's so many people who've made millions of dollars from DeFi. And I was thinking to myself, like, why wouldn't they spend 10, 20 grand on these punks right now? Like, they look so good. You can get good ones, they're cheap. Um, So I was like, in my mind, like, okay, I got to front run them. Um, And I just got lucky and got like two of my favorite punks from the uh, developers. One time I bid, like, I think 11 or 12 Ethereum. They put up the hoodie with the 3D pipe for 14. My heart was racing because I didn't have 14 in my wallet because the way that, the punk's website works is if you bid it escrows your ETH. So like I had that bid up and that was using, I might've had like 20 total ETH. So -hmm. that bid was using most of my ETH. So I had to use fast gas, get that transaction through and then buy it. And like the whole time my heart was beating out of my chest, like, Oh fuck, someone's going to front run me. Someone's going to take this. Like, this is free. Like I'm, I'm, I was like freaking out for like five minutes. And then when it finally went through and I got it, it was like the best feeling I've had in crypto ever. Um, and it was basically like when I realized, like, okay, once I get these punks, like I I know which ones I'm holding on to for a long time. These feel like they're a part of me. Like I'm really attached to them, um, and this is going to be a big thing because other people are going to feel the same feeling I just felt right now.
0: Mm, that's that's powerful. Um, I think. You just took me personally down a little bit of memory lane because I got into crypto right around the same time as you and I have the exact same experience with like Binance and losing a shit ton of money by trying to play the game and try to find the next pump and um you know selling buying back cheaper and just getting eaten alive multiple times and losing so much liquidity that if I would have been smarter I I would have Uh, been in a much better place now um but i think the i think one thing every time i talk to someone that entered around the same time as us it constantly comes back to eventually you find um you know that thing or that coin or that nft that you start to realize is going to change your life because it's not like the other things that that have been uh you know just killing you um you know, I, I bought Chainlink when it was like 50 cents, but I didn't hold it because I was too busy flipping things around, right? Uh, and so, you know, once that happened and I really believed in like the developers and the, and what they were doing and I saw the long term, just kind of like you said, you, you felt that and you knew it was going to happen. You start to, instead of becoming, you know, that person that's just constantly thinking, I want to get rich quick you know, all of a sudden you start to realize, wait, this is kind of more of a long game. Like, I know the potential of this, and I'm going to stick in it, and I'm not going to keep moving around. And I just think it's important for people to hear that story, because... I went through it, Uh, clearly you went through it, and basically every other big investor I've talked to that's been in, you know, more than a few years has gotten to a point where they lost almost everything, and instead of giving up, they used it as a learning experience and kept trying to get better instead of just being like, you know what, I lost all my money, I'm never going back, and I have some friends that joined around the same time that just didn't get back in, Um, and now they don't have anything still, obviously, because they weren't around for the last um that last big bull market that happened late last year um so I want to I want to talk about losses a little bit because you you I love when investors that have been successful are so open and I do I know you refer to yourself as a degen but you're one savvy fucking degen then because tr- true degens they just lose money okay they don't know when to hodl anything and it sounds like you've learned uh, a lot about that and you've also identified trends you identified the trend in defi you've identified the trend in the nft so you clearly are not just you know your average degen <laughs> <laughs> That's just losing money in the markets, even though we we definitely have had our fair share. So I want I want to um, see if you someone that's entering either the nft space and they're like i want to flip up to a punk and they have these big goals and they're getting in really stupid bets because of that i just want to see if you can give or shed light on any sort of advice someone that's new to the space because we have so many new people because of nfts and it's so awesome but i don't want to see you know what happened to us if we can avoid it i would want to see people doing well in the space and so is there anything that has Has anyone ever asked you, and what's the best advice you can give to someone that, you know, they're doing well, and then they lose like half of their uh, liquidity because they made a stupid bet, and then they're like, I got to go all in on another one, and then they lose everything. So is there any advice we can give someone um, to try to help them prevent doing that?
1: Yeah, so the first thing they need to do is think of risk management. Um, There's someone in the crypto space called CryptoCred, who has a bunch of articles relative relating around trading and investing, but he has a specific one on um, just basic risk management principles and thinking of bet sizing when you look at a term of your overall portfolio and what you're getting into. Um, But I think for people starting with a little bit, they need to be honest with themselves and say is this risk capital that I want to speculate with on short-term time horizons to try to rapidly compound into something big that I can easily replenish if it's lost? Uh Or is this money that I need to DCA and invest in my future for? And there's two different routes they would go down depending on that answer right there. Uh Um, If they're someone who's looking at short-term time horizons and looking to compound as much as they can, as fast as they can, it seems like they need to keep their ears to the ground and stay on top of all these projects that are minting and take little shots at each project that they think has like higher upside, like do research on the team, look at the Discord, look at the numbers of the people in the Discord, um, how many people are in there for the drops, what, like, what amount of holders are there. Um, I use Nansen AI, which they recently did an NFT platform, but they have a bunch of analytics on collections. You can go and see top holders who can see flows of, Basically, from their wallets to see are they adding or are they dumping? Um, how many have they dumped in the last seven days, like last 24 hours, things like that? You can see how concentrated the ownership is. Like Board Apes, one of the things I really like about Board Apes is how distributed they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that basically, when you're looking for those short term flips, you're just getting in, you're doubling your money, tripling your money, making making what you put in, get that out ASAP so that your cost basis is zero and then try to get upside with what you have left um, and then compound into other things when, when you win. Yeah. If you lose there's a very high opportunity that you just lose everything too. And if that's, that's something you need to recognize. Like if you're trying to flip up to a punk in a month, you're going to get opportunities where that flip doesn't work out and that you could liquidate yourself. So it's like from the risk management angle, if you have you have to have a principled risk management perspective, and you need to know ahead of time what your plan is, so that if you're taking losses on the small degens stuff, like flipping mints, that you know that that's part of an overall plan, because when you hit a win, it is going to, you know, make up for all those losses and then some.
0: I love that, and I think um, that was kind of my mentality too. I think you really did a great job of, um, of phrasing that in terms of a sense of don't like when you're trying to flip up or if you're trying to make quick trades to make money you are in a sense gambling because you, no one can really time the market. You can do a lot of research and try to figure out what's going to do well, and then you can just get laid out flat um, from from all that research you did, and you're like, "What just happened to me?" But if you were if you were using money that wasn't your life savings, it's not going to kill you. You know, I one thing when I was investing in 2018 when the, all the ICO craze was going on, I was like. I had a few projects that went to zero and I lost everything, but I continually, you know, I was never leveraging my liquidity that I had, like I could lose some and I use those as learning opportunities instead of giving up. And I think uh, that's a big thing. I think you're right that you you got to be careful with your risk management. And when you're betting on things, you know, find the more established projects that do really well. And if you want just consistent gains, you know, keep it in Ethereum. It's not going to go anywhere. But if you want to take more risks, then there's those opportunities, but you have to be realistic with yourself about what could happen. And I think you did a great job, Dees5, of kind of laying that out, and I think that, that, is, um, that that's powerful. I think people new to the space need to hear that, and I appreciate you taking time um, because ultimately the goal from this show is that people can learn from our experiences. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about this last weekend because your big bet is in punks, and punks are going crazy. Uh, at the time of this show, it's August 2nd, and punks have just kind of hit a new epic floor. Um, so it's, it's so exciting. I know you've probably seen it when, you know, there's you're going to see... Um, more capital flowing in. So uh, I'd love to just have you talk a little bit about, like, the excitement that you felt this past few days. I've tuned into a couple of your spaces, and I've been able to hear, you know, you know Farouk buying one live and stuff like that. It's been a lot of fun. Um, but I'm curious also where you see, like, the future of punks going.
1: Yeah, so this weekend's been fucking crazy. Um, the way I would say i see punks going is two ways um short term and i think we're already seeing it today like they're gonna correct um in my opinion because there's no other institutional buying coming in that's gonna have the buy pressure that we just saw immediately like even if people do follow them it's not going to be instantaneously and there's a lot of flippers like when i'm I'm, i've watched most of the punk sales as many as i can it was hard to keep up this weekend but um a lot of what I'm seeing is people buying and relisting like 25% higher. And I I did it myself this weekend and sold a few. I mean, it's something that it's an environment for speculating. Um, But what happens when the buying pressure stops is that the speculators want their liquidity back and they'll take losses just to get it back. So you'll see them undercut each other and you can have a, you know, scenario where the floor goes from 35 to 30 because two people are trying to sell one punk. And depending on the NFTX pool and a few other variables, like it it can go down really quick. Um, so the most bullish thing is like Three Errors Capital is buying, um, hmm. or at least from the very least, if you look on Nansen at the wallets that bought, uh, they were funded by the Three Errors Capital wallet. So if they weren't buying, it was the entity buying Three or three arrows, which either way is pretty bullish for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that to me signals that. And we've been thinking this for a while that, like, at some point, maybe a punk would be like a DeFi Lego, like an NFT DeFi Lego, because it's maybe a little more composable because mm-hmm. of how big the collection is and how much they're worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they, they bought floor punks too, right? Like, they didn't buy ceilings, like, they didn't go buy zombies. It was a, is a very calculated thing, like buying all of those in one block, paying a five ETH gas fee. Um, that There's a reason they bought floors. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I mean, that lifts the whole tide of the collection. Yeah. If floors become something that is uh, a yield generating asset or something that you can leverage up, like that makes it better for ceilings too, because just more money coming into these. Um so the fact they bought fours, I thought was really interesting, because you see some other people come in, they want to buy zombies, they want to buy apes, they want an alien. Uh, but the fact they bought fours, considering who they are, to me was the most bullish thing. Um,
0: and also and I the, think
1: other people are going to follow.
0: That's what I was about to say. you know, they just you just saw the entrance of institutional buyers into the NFT space. This is kind of the first time and it's one institutional buyer and you saw the kind of movement that happened and so it's also really interesting to think long term especially it's interesting that it's also timed almost perfectly with the launch of fractional art and you know a, a staple that's going to be able to intersect the nft and defi world together and um i think it's so interesting and fascinating like you said that it's becoming kind of a lego there's some people that may think oh there's only the the unique holders are. So much lower. It's never going to be a true, like, decentralized community. And uh, I think I woke up this weekend and realized. That's fine. That's not what punks are. They're not a decentralized community. They're fine art. And that's what, you know, an institutional buyer, they may collect a ton and it's going to be impossible for people to get uh, a 50% ratio of punks because there's a lot of institutional buyers that are strong hands and not just weak flippers trying to make 10%. And so um, one thing that I was curious uh, with you being in um, kind of the fractional art space is maybe talk a little bit about the power of what just happened for... uh, Uh, something like Fractional Art.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't even think I realize the power of what happened, honestly, for Fractional Art. Because right now, it's a lot of us that are just putting up our own collections and seeing what happens. Um, We are trying to build the infrastructure for people to come in and do whatever they want with it. And if there's any um, opportunity for these bigger players to use our platform to get liquidity out of their collections. Like it's a win for everybody. It gives collectors a way to get in with smaller um, amounts that, you know, a lot of what we're seeing across all these collections is people buying like one Ethereum or less worth of the basket. And it's just a a bunch of people who are getting like really small exposure to stuff that like they would never be able to touch otherwise, like a one of one X copy or a full art block set, or a pegs, or I, uh, I put up a hoodie pipe with a mustache or uh, handlebars, and people are loving that. And it's like, these are people who couldn't get a punk otherwise, and their options are, kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about options being between like someone who's DCAing as an investor, and then someone who's speculating on the short-term stuff. But if you want an option to DCA as an investor into things right now, before fractional, all you really had, in my opinion, was like NFTX and NFT20. And you could get access to like floor exposure of projects through their ERC20 tokens. But you never got exposure to like a direct one of one, which I think unlocks a whole nother market for like higher end things that aren't floors, especially for punks and um, like our like we've seen the grail fidenza mm. we put it up um and maybe the curator asked for too cheap of a price but one of the most um i'd say like prestigious collectors in the art box space bought out 40 percent of that fidenza within like 24 hours of the guy putting it up oh wow <laughs> so it was interesting like from my opinion and it was really cool to see we had um kind of had the curator consult with this collector beforehand to get a price level because the price level I, I had in my head, my head was probably too low. Mm -hmm. And, um, this collector gave a price that he would buy in himself at. And the, uh, the curator was like, Hey, that's fair enough for me. I'm going to list it around there and see what happens. And then as soon as he listed it, like a lot of people bought in and then like a day later that, um, collector who gave the advice bought the rest of it out himself wow so it was cool to see like hey he really put his money where his mouth was and said hey if that offering's there i'm gonna go after it so um i think it even gives like higher end collectors now the option to get a stake or you know some fractionalized tokens representing a piece they might not be able to get in their collection themselves yeah and i really think we're Go ahead. Sorry, one last thing I think I noticed that is important is that going back to that, it's like collector-to-collector relationships um, and how similar to like the re- reflexivity of artists in the NFT space where you, you pay an artist one Ethereum for their work and they might take half of that Ethereum or more and buy more art with it. Um, what we see with the collectors is they'll put a piece up for themselves to fractionalize and Mm -hmm. then other collectors buy into it themselves and then those collectors will fractionalize something and then the collectors like it's a symbiotic relationship where like everyone's buying pieces of each other it reminds me almost of like um in the poker industry like how you like stake or like get a percent of someone's share in a tournament like i feel like you're going to see that with collectors getting shares they're not shares but like tokens it's, we have to try really hard. You can't say shares. It's tokens. <laughs> ERC twenty tokens.
0: I still have friends um, that say shares, and I'm like, "What? No, this. You didn't no, buy a tokens. share of Ethereum."
1: <laughs> exactly. So yeah, uh, always working on my wording. But yeah, the the tokenization, I think, of collections, and then the way for collectors to get different pieces of each other's collections is going to be a big thing that I didn't realize the potential of until the last week.
0: Yeah, I um. I really appreciate you saying that because I think it also gives, well, a couple things. Number one, you're going to start to see some of these big... Uh, If you go to and look up, you know, the top 10 NFT artists, you're going to start seeing some of the works and you're already starting to see it. But once the institutions come in, it's going to get nuts. You think that, you know, the Beeple's and the FIWO's and the Hackatows and all those were high in March. Just wait until institutional buyers start sweeping up the floors of all their artwork. It's just going to be insane to see what happens. Um, I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to be a similar feel that we saw this weekend with uh, the, the punks because those those artists have created a brand that is respected. And it also gives as a either a collector, you now can um, infractionalize art, you can get a piece of that action too. You can have a small piece of the pie of something that as institutional investors come in is just going to drive the price up. Um, and then at the same time, you can also... As an artist, have something to aspire to. You want to build that brand organically, like all of those artists have, and it doesn't happen overnight. I always talk about FIWO selling his first painting uh, less than a year ago for eight hundred dollars, and now they're selling for five hundred thousand dollars. So it doesn't happen overnight, but when it happens, it happens big. And to just keep grinding because you can be the next big artist, but you gotta—you can't just, you know, shill your way to it. So keep working hard and make sure that you're always doing um, those little things, but you can get to that point with a lot of hard work and building the right type of community around you. And speaking of community, we're going to head into the last question before Community Corner. If you've been enjoying this conversation, please retweet so more people can hear DeesFy when we start um, Community Corner here in just a bit. And also, if you have a question and want to come on stage, I already see several people requested. I'm excited about that. D is always so good at interacting with the guests. So please request so we can bring you up and you can talk to Dees about your question. The last question for the podcast that I wanted to talk about, Dees is your journey in Twitter spaces because you have become one of the most forefront people um, in this community that is hosting and constantly bringing new people into the space and learning about new projects. And I just wanted to hear about that journey a little bit um, and all that time you put into those marathon Twitter spaces you've kind of already hinted at before the show, but just like what motivated you to kind of uh, fill that void that was in the community?
1: Yeah. So um, I guess I can talk about what we went over before the show real quick. I had just mentioned that um, I started Twitter spaces because my friend would host a space on his drive home. From work, I would join the space and we would just bullshit about the day. It wasn't even about NFTs. He he didn't even know about NFTs, and we just got him to mint his first art block like during one of these spaces. Um, but one day he couldn't host it. I hosted it. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I kept it open longer, and then I realized like, hey, I can just open up the space anytime I want, and it's like I'm going to a virtual bar with all my friends, and anyone can just pull out their phone and they're kind of at the table with me and whether they like to drink or smoke or just bullshit about anything, you know, we can just talk about what's going on and vibe out. And I would just do it as a way to have noise on in the background while doing things throughout the day related to like NFTs and crypto. And it quickly just became a way bigger thing than I ever thought it would be where now we open it up and we have a full stage within a few minutes and we're talking about everything. Everybody's watching for Alpha everybody's looking for news. If anything comes up, people share it in the space. It's like almost having a radio on in the background with alerts that come up with relative news in the space that you don't need to keep your eyes peeled on. Yeah. So I'll have like one AirPod in while one's charging. (laughs) normally have to do that to to have spaces this long. Um, The other option is to buy another pair of AirPods. But um, I normally have one AirPod in, one AirPod out. And I'm doing other things like responding to DMs. I'm in the fractional Discord all the time. I'm always DMing and talking to people in the community, um, seeing what's going on. Like the space is up in the background, and then things happen. And then we come together and start talking about it. We get hyped up. We got a lot of love in there. And I love giving people a platform who don't really have the opportunity to always have a platform. Like, as long as you have a couple of mutual followers, or I know the icon collection. Or the profile picture collection that your profile picture is from. I'll let you on the stage. We'll see what you have to say. Mm -hmm. Um, We're pretty self selective. Like, we kind of vibe check at the door. If you have a bad vibe, the people on the stage will call you out. Like, I don't even need to say anything at this point because the other people have Mm. caught on so much and policed the place so well that, like, if someone comes on and is at a base, you know, they get talked down pretty quick. And it's just crazy to see.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of uh, as you build this community, it's so cool that you've almost created because you do have kind of the same people. It's almost like a moderator and a discord that come up and kind of help moderate and make sure that things are staying in a positive, good vibe. Um, I love you even put Lindy vibes when you get on there because, you know, you're constantly wanting to help the space. It's not a negative space. Do, do you feel any weight when it comes to um, holding kind of those marathon Um, Twitter spaces, and people DMing you and wanting to come on and shill their stuff. Is there any weight to that and being like, well, I I don't want someone to hear something they heard on my space and then buy and then lose money because uh, it was shilled here and and that got them motivated to buy it?
1: I mean, I think everybody who listens to my spaces and makes any financial decisions is taking a hundred percent responsibility for the decisions they make.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't get paid. To, don't get...
0: We lost Twitter spaces here. Hold on one second. I'm going to back out and then we'll rejoin and hopefully we can get back in. Sorry. Twitter spaces has been having a little trouble and, sometimes kicks us out so we are gonna go back in and continue listening
1: Spawn, um because that's not what we're about at the end of the day it's like i want to bring people that i can vet first in a space then up to show their things like a lot of things come up because they're recommended to me through people i vetted or they're recommended through people who come up on stage themselves and talk to us about it really quickly like in a what do you want to say? Like organic way. It's not like, um, I, I would say like the only space that even came out around a DM that was kind of cold, but someone I mildly knew was like the goblin goons. And the guy who DM me was like super thoughtful. He wrote really well. Like, I don't want to say like wrote really well. He, he articulated his point for what he was doing in a way that like made me really interested in buying some myself. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the, few interactions where like somebody who dm me who i didn't know off the bat got onto a space because the interaction went so well and i would say for every one of those there's like a hundred that just get deleted yeah um so yeah for me it's really important to kind of not turn it into a still fest Mm -hmm. but have it be more of like an organic place like i I think of it like the virtual bar honestly um if you look at the new killer acid piece that came out that i'm bidding on right now probably shouldn't chill it as i'm bidding on it (laughs) but um it it says please prevent bad vibes check your ego check your mind and i think it's like the perfect um mural or the perfect image to have that like encapsulates one of my twitter spaces it's like you know we don't want a bad vibe check your ego like don't come in just to talk about your project and try to elevate yourself, but take part in the conversation. Like you're a community member, take part, like you're one of us and just be a person instead of trying to just like show us your art and make us buy your stuff.
0: I love it. If you have never checked out these a room, make sure to follow him. Um, because you'll see his Twitter spaces running pretty much all the time. I was a little worried he wouldn't be able to join the show because uh, he'd have to stop his own spaces for a minute. <laughs> and uh, But I'm so glad he did. It's been so awesome getting to hear your story and your journey and just realizing some of the connections that I have with you um, in the crypto space. So I really appreciate you taking time to uh, be on the show, Deez. And um, if you just joined us and you weren't here the whole time, this is a recorded podcast and you can listen to it on the crazy about crypto show.com after we're done and follow, um, I'll make sure to pin that tweet once it's up because I know we've had a lot of people come in and out of the show. Um, we are going to move in now to the Community Corner which is where you take the stage. We're going to ask some questions to D's um, questions that you guys have come up with. Please hit that request button. I have quite a few requests. D's, a lot of people want to talk to you. You're a popular guy. Let's go ahead and get straight in to um, the segment of the show that I like to call Community Corner. All right, we are going to go ahead and we're going to bring in Lee um, because I know I've seen Lee all over the place and I appreciate him wanting to come on stage for a little bit. Um, So Lee, as soon as you're connected, you can go ahead. Go ahead. Welcome Lee to the show. Thanks for coming on.
2: Yo. so I just wanted to say like when you were talking about institutional capital coming in, um, I infiltrated Goldman. Let's go. The capitulation is here.
0: Yeah, and didn't um, one of the CEOs of a big bank just change their profile picture to a punk, right?
1: So that is a troll. Um, her name is Riva Tez. She's uh, a very smart lady, okay. but she's not the CEO of Goldman. And her LinkedIn profile also says she is the CEO of Goldman, but mm. she is not the CEO of Goldman. So, yeah, kind of a head fake there. But uh, but the the CEO of Disney did buy an art block yesterday. Crypto Venetian, to be exact
2: Yeah, we got there's an art
1: block that you can only mint at the physical gallery um, I believe it's called bright moments I might be wrong but um, it's in California in LA I believe how many of these flowers did you mint? one and it was for a friend I thought one? the market cap of 2.6 plus million dollars was a little ridiculous for a factory project Right? I didn't love the art up only
0: <laughs> Thanks. I'll send you one I'll send you one Lee, what's your
1: favorite color purple purple right. blue orange you can't go
0: wrong all right Lee I know you're constantly I mean I think you are one of those people that are constantly helping D's on stage you're always there working the working the stage and talking and I just think it's awesome to uh, to see you here to be able to continue that so thanks for coming up Jacob yeah, man. Jacob go ahead
1: Hey, thank you for pulling me up here. What's up, Deez and Lee? Got Lee, the resident DJ over here, bust some jams. Um, Deez, I just want to talk about, I saw earlier this morning uh, you posting about it. Dude, a punk sold for seven e. Like, what, what, what the hell's going on there? I feel like those conversations between uh, collectors, like you are saying earlier, is super essential so bots don't just, like, scoop up bottom floor when someone tries to make a deal for a buddy. I was just, I woke up and saw that and was like, oh, someone someone's punching their computer screen today. Yeah, so uh, we, we try to, it, it's hard to educate people on the technicalities of the Punk website. But basically what happened from what I could gather in the Punk chat is that one individual made a deal with another individual that I don't understand the other parts of the deal. But there was going to be a transfer of 7.77 Ethereum for one crypto punk. And the way they went about doing it is the completely wrong way of doing it because of the way the punk's contract works. The way they did it was that individual A bid 7.77 on individual B's cryptopunk. And then individual B sent a transaction that says, I want to accept this bid. Well, when he sent the transaction that says, I want to accept this bid... A bunch of bots watching the mempool were like, "Oh, hey, look at this punk that's going to get accepted for 7.77 Ethereum. We better front run it with 7.7700000001 Ethereum. So then they send a transaction for that amount, front run the guy, and then get the punk. Um, and then the guy doesn't get the deal. What they should have did, and what anyone should do if you're trying to send a punk to somebody and only that person for a small amount of money or smaller amount of money." Is to offer it for sale and then paste the individual's address into the address box so that they're the only person who can buy the punk for the price you listed. Uh, do never, do not ever accept a bid that you think is under market value because there is likely a bot that also thinks it's under market value and you're not going to win.
0: Wow, do you see is that happening more and more often?
1: Um, since March before yeah. March it was really not a thing and since March there's just been more and more bots
0: yeah and you got it that just goes back to educating the community and constantly being um, prudent and I mean just hearing you talk about that I'm sure just educated a lot of people there's a question uh, that someone posted under the Twitter um, that I the tweet that I have pinned here they asked and this is let me give him a shout out JD Black, lung.eth they asked what platforms does Dee's like to uh, recommend for buying uh, openc rareable super rare foundation is there anything that you really think will hold value i mean i have my opinions about this what do you think Dee's?"
1: um i try to stay away from the openc shared contract as much as i can uh, but I, I use their platform to buy nfts the most often um what that means is like i don't recommend that like artists deploy it directly from there uh, there's some issues with like freezing the metadata and some um concerns about the longevity of the i don't want to call it like, on chain health of the underlying asset or nfts but um i i tend to see a premium on super rare pieces i'm not sure if it's just because they're more curated or they're the most og or what um, but i collect on super rare I collect on Foundation, though I've heard some gripes about um, the Foundation platform and how they don't help their artists as much and how, you know, their rake is pretty high or the the amount of the percent they take from artists is pretty high, uh, in my opinion. Uh, But there are a lot of good artists there. I I don't really use anything off Ethereum layer one. So, like, I don't use Hen on the Tezos network. Um, People ask me that all the time. Um, but I'll go anywhere. I I try to stay away from any site that requires me to make a account and, um, like with an email account, if I can't use web three and just connect my metamask wallet, um, there's like a 95 plus percent chance. I'm not going to buy on the site. Um, I really don't like nifty gateway. I've only bought two pieces ever. I think on there, maybe three. Um, and it's only because people I like end up having to go there because of their reach. But yeah, I would recommend Open Sea, Super Rare, Foundation. Um. It is interesting seeing
0: the evolution um, away from Nifty when it was kind of the go-to spot for uh, the last year. Starting last year, they really got into the game, but they've made some decisions that um, has broken trust, and now there's more and more people that are starting to go away. And it's just interesting thing about like the evolution of you know the tech and what's possible and where you can buy. It's kind of cool to continue to watch that. All right, Dr. Ayush, welcome to the show.
3: Hi, how are you guys? And these I'm not here to ask a question. Uh, I just wanted to tell I've been following you for last uh, three months, I guess. I heard about you first time from Eric P. Rhodes from the Second Run podcast and from Joel Combe and Travis Wright when I appeared in their podcast. And they were like, there's this person. You ought to follow him for all the cool projects that are coming up, all the updates that there are. So I have been following you since then. And you have been doing an amazing job helping out people, helping out uh, uh, collectors, even even creators a lot. And thank you for how you're contributing to the whole community. Just wanted to thank you. And that's all.
0: It's actually crazy seeing you up here, Dr. Oh, thank you very much. As soon as he said that, the Bad Crypto podcast, I actually listened to that episode that you were on. The doctor and you, uh, that was a fun show to listen to. So um, I'm going to have to chat with you after this. Maybe we can bring you on the show so more people learn about your journey because you have a very interesting journey in the crypto space as well. Um, And it's always cool to see how the community starts to tie together. You know, like I heard you on a podcast and now you just requested to come up here and give some gratitude. It's just that's the kind of community and culture, you know, that I think is awesome to see.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. And yes, I was in crypto, basically. I have been an early investor in Polygon and a few other cryptocurrencies. I recently entered into the NFT space, have been a creator as well. But just wanted to thank everybody for bringing this community forward. And thank you for having this revolution that you guys are um, doing. And it is helping a lot of people, a lot of artists, a lot of art, in uh, countries like India as well, anybody. Uh, India is an amazing untapped market. Anybody out here who needs help with marketing, who needs uh, to be part of the Indian market, you can directly follow me on Instagram or anywhere if you want. Uh, it's Doctor Dr D. R. Ayush Gore, and I'll help you out with the new market as well.
0: That's and amazing. Thank
3: you, DS, and thank you everybody for being here.
0: These, I think, that also just kind of goes to Thank show you. the reach that that this platform allows you to have, right? Like this international platform that people that you may not even have met are able to come up and be like, "You're really helping change and influence," um, you know, things that I've been doing in the space. That's got to be crazy to just to just like just think about.
2: Yeah, man, and every every single person on CNBC talks about Square all day long. And it's like two and a half times the valuation of Twitter. So mm. do with this information what you will. Lee,
1: Lee, for people who don't know, is one of uh, someone I would call like a hype man. And he also really likes Twitter. So he makes it a point to bring up um, the Twitter shit every single time we have his face. So. <laughs> For for people who are definitely here, not
2: for, financial advice though, For people
1: in here who are like, what is Lee talking about? Who is this random person on stage? That's some background on Lee and what he brings to the party.
0: Yeah. Lee, and yeah Lee, go ahead, D info.
1: I was just gonna say, yeah, Lee Lee is definitely one of the folks that we see a lot in our the Twitter spaces with D's and we like the Lee, but he is very he is a hype man, that's a good word. We need it though he like the energy the, the energy is contagious, <laughs> and when you're staring until your eyes bleed at nFT stuff for twelve hours a day, like that energy is great to have
0: and whenever there's a lull right, then you see uh, someone's like who's going to come up and say something, and then he's like, "boom, right there he's got something to say." And so that's that's something that every, you know a strong Twitter Spaces needs. That's more built around like round tables, uh, because you need someone to keep the conversation moving. Otherwise, it gets awkward and people just are like, "Okay, I'm gonna piece out of here." There's got to be a better space than this.
2: I mean, that's just like the that's kind of like the unique aspect of this. Like everybody brings something unique to the table, and everybody has like a different perspective and approach to the space. And then when you combine everyone, like it just it just makes for like this incredible experience
0: mm-hmm. um i wanted to um see d info i know you had come up here uh did you have a question or were you coming to hang out Well, i had to get you up here because you were here and d- leading the pre-show if you guys missed it um hopefully i'll have him up here again he's always also uh, making his rounds on spaces and being like a huge community leader uh what's going on d info
1: Oh yeah, there's this funny thing I find with Twitter spaces where you have this thought you want to say to one conversation and you request, but then by the time you're brought on it's like 10 minutes ago so <laughs> no longer relevant. Yeah. I, I I will stay on if if, if not need to kick me off in case it happens again since I was pre-show host or whatever you want. But that was what the request was about in one of the previous conversations about um yeah, the the punk that got sold. I was going to say something, but it's not so important. So
0: it is so, interesting. Yeah. I've been in the same position where I'm like, I have something of value, or I want to bring to the stage, and then it's just like you're sitting there, and I know some people are sitting on requests, and I want to apologize because. I think uh, as a Twitter Spaces host, there is like that that power of like being bringing, bringing people up stage that's not always the f- most fun job because you know you're missing someone else uh, that wants to come up. And so I want to apologize because this is by far the most people I've had requests and I definitely am probably not going to be able to bring everyone up. But uh, Deez, you probably deal with this in your room. How do you deal with, you know, when people are requesting to come on stage and you can only bring 10... Um, is that is that something that's like that is something that weighs on you? Like, I want to help everyone get a chance to speak, but I, there's no way to bring everyone on stage.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of methods to my madness here. Um, one of the things is I try to have a good mix of um, like diversity on stage. So if somebody raises their hand who is like an artist and we just have eight DGENs up, like I got to get the artist up um, over a DGEN. Or like, you know, sometimes I have people from the traditional area who have their hands up um, and they might be involved with traditional companies, but they don't really know much about crypto. So I try to get them up, like, especially if it's a company I know that they're involved with. Um, we've had some interesting people come up where it's like, unexpected like we've even had the head of the twitter product come in and talk to us about the app we're using and he's getting kicked out by the fucking twitter app just booting him and it's like see like even
2: the head not have made that up you there was no way you could have made that up no like
1: even the head of the product is getting kicked out of his own app when he's trying to join the stage and it's like stuff like that yeah um, i i gotta get those people up if um i notice some people haven't talked for like a half hour or longer and i see a queue of people like i'll just boot someone mm-hmm. and then bring someone else up stage and then like sometimes i'll dm an apology and just say like hey just had to cycle the stage or something um no one ever really gets mad at that
0: yeah i but... think definitely having people realize the the kind of the magnitude of the scale also gives a little empathy of like uh, you know if i need to get kicked off stage so other people can come up that's uh that's probably fine i already was up there for it's
1: never permanent like you can always just if they had something important to say and you kick them off, like you can just kick the person you just let on and get the person back on to finish what they were saying. Like it's, it's a reversible and low consequence decision. So it's not something I, I I weigh too heavily.
0: How many people, Uh, uh, how many people are kind of on your list of like, as soon as they request, they're coming up because they're just, they've built such a strong relationship with you and they help your show out so much.
1: I mean, the list is longer than the slots on stage.
0: Yeah. So really.
1: yeah, we have to be probably a little thoughtful. Um, uh, but most of the time the good thing is like since the list is so big, there is um normally at least a couple of those people ready to come up and bullshit at any time. Um and they're not normally all on concurrently. Yeah. Like just the people up here right now, like Jacob Lee and Dinfo, like if they ever raise their hand and there's space on stage, like that's like an instant accept, like you don't think twice. Um And then there's people in the crowd right now who, like, they're not always on stage, but they're always welcome up. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have been at some different points, like Richard, you know, Jake's on stage a lot. Um, I know I I see Video Game Freak
0: up up there a lot.
1: Yeah, Video Game Freak is up there a lot. Um, Eric, the photographer who has the eight picture in the audience, he's came on Spaces and talked about his pieces before, but he listens a lot. Um, I mean, I'm going through the audience right now, and it's, like, a lot of people... A lot of people I would instantly accept up here, like more than ten. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter
2: of who
1: wants then to talk and what kind.
2: spots too. All right, so uh, somehow I got the microphone. I'm not sure who I bumped, but uh, I, I'll gladly talk. Um, yeah,
0: I was. Uh, I brought you up, A Dog Parley. Partly because someone in the uh, the tweet that I sent out said something about asked a question about photography in in the NFT space. I thought you'd be a good person to bring up as we start talking about that. I'm going to do one more question. If you have a question, a dog, and then I'm going to finish out the podcast, and maybe we can stay on for a little after show.
2: Sure, sure. Oh shit! Um, this is a podcast.
0: That's right, oh, Lee.
2: This is my first podcast. Oh, so my question is, uh, have you guys seen what uh, Solano has been doing with uh, Lollapalooza and how they're trying to onboard new people? Have uh, uh, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Deez, do you hey, have I'm any so opinion on that? Go ahead.
1: Can, can you repeat the question, A hey, Dog? I'm so sorry.
2: Yeah. Uh, so Lollapalooza, they uh, they they pretty much uh, they released. Uh, a handful of NFTs uh, on the Solano network, uh, on the Solano blockchain, and uh, I, I was curious as to, as to like uh, you, what your thoughts are on their approach to onboarding new people. Because you could go to their website right now and purchase with crypto or with a credit card. You know, like you could get a Steve like right now where he's jumping off the stage throwing a cake in somebody's face.
1: Yeah, I need to um, look into it. So, I didn't really realize that Lollapalooza had NFTs and I didn't realize they're on Solana. Um, I definitely own some Solana NFTs. I'm looking at it right now. Get NFTs from your favorite artist. Um, $5 million creator fund. I'm going to have to dig into this. But um, I didn't realize, honestly, that they had it. So, the fact that, I mean, I think going back to just having credit card and US dollar onboarding, like, that's critical. If there's a way to have it where people can use credit card or participate directly with crypto, and it does it in a way where the user experience is really smooth, um, particularly like on mobile, I think is where the biggest opportunities are. because I bought space, them on
2: mobile myself. I, I bought a few on mobile myself just to see how smooth the transaction was. And let me tell you, it was pretty it was good,
1: slower. Nice. I that's mean, that's awesome. what we need. We need stuff. That gets people on board. That abstracts the complications. That abstracts away MetaMask and Gway and gas, or abstracts away what um, I mean. Solana is nice; you don't really need to pay fees. Just fire. I use Phantom Wallet, so that's kind of what I'm used to. Um, have used okay. Exodus a little bit to stake, but I don't use mobile for anything. Um, I'm one of those crypto people who's been so indoctrined into this like laptop or PC lifestyle where I just right. need to
2: be looking what? at. Yeah, definitely get a MacBook. So I, I got a MacBook Pro. I've had one forever. I'm looking at like three fucking broken down Macs right now, but um, and I'm talking on an iPhone. Uh, so I find myself in, uh, you know, having these opportunities where I could pop in and out of places, and that's what's so great about, uh, you know, the uh, Twitter itself and the Twitter Spaces is you can move around freely and, and come back to it, and so that's where the that's where the phone comes in for me. Uh, unfortunately, a few of the drafts that I tried to get, uh, I didn't realize weren't supported until you know that mint, and then I missed out. But yeah, I do mean, I have a question if that's possible.
0: Go ahead, a-, a dog. I think that what you're you're speaking of is going to be such a net positive on this community of like better like. There's going to be the, the the crypto, the coins and the NFTs that are kind of the crypto native people, but then there's these software and the people are going to continue to build out these newer platforms that can uh, innovate a little easier than something like Ethereum that's more established just takes a lot longer. And it's just going to continue to move forward. Like the fact that you can be at Lollapalooza and on your phone and then get an NFT just shows kind of like i didn't even i wasn't aware of that but just think of how many new entrants we might have just from like one concert one weekend it's really cool to see the development of what's happening um they were
2: giving free ones away that's crazy right now i think so
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's just going to continue. It's going to, you know, that reminds me of, you know, everyone's talking about it. But once you have a ticket to a sporting event, you know, it's a, it's also an NFT that's airdropped to you as well. Those kinds of things are just going to get more and more um, common in, in society. And it's just going to help drive adoption because people are going to realize, oh, I have something I didn't even know I had, but I can sell for 50 bucks. Yeah, I'll get on there and, and download it. Yeah, that's money. I want to get that. Yeah, so it's really cool. To see like that journey is going to continue to grow, all right. We are going to finish out the show. I want to thank everyone for uh, showing up. D, this also, this question period, you can just kind of get a sense of what D'svi has um, developed on his show. You can come up, you can talk about anything, you can ask questions about anything, and it's just such a powerful thing that's needed in um, the world to be able to get away. Some of some guests have kind of led to it, but there's a lot of information. There's There's a lot of misinformation in the media. Being able to just find your own space that you can connect to with people that are just in the real world doing the same things you're doing and not curated by some billionaire uh, in charge of a network. It's really popular and something that's going to continue to grow. I'm sure DeFi, in, in quicker time than anyone can imagine, will have hundreds of thousands of followers because of the space he runs. And I just really think, DeFi, you're doing something that's great for the community. I'm so excited to see you continue. I can't wait to keep jumping onto your spaces and learning from your guests and just conversations, just a relaxed place to hang out. And if you haven't checked him out, make sure to do that. Go to Five right now and follow him. I know a lot of you probably actually probably found me through Five. You probably saw him coming uh, on stage and talking, and then you showed up here because of him. And I just want to say thank you too. I'm, I'm doing something a little different. I do a podcast that is live and interactive with people in the crypto movement so that you can learn about them you get to see D's all the time but maybe you have never heard his story and his journey and I think there's a, a need for being able to just learn about the personal connection you probably have with some of the leaders in the space so that's what we're going to continue doing on this show so if you enjoyed that please also follow Crazy About Crypto show and we'll continue to bring these shows forward we try to limit it to one hour so it's not uh, it's not like a marathon you're not just run walking into the bar like is space you're kind of just it's more of like a podcast feel. You're getting to um, hear get someone that's uh, really influential and getting to learn about them. But all of this is happening on Twitter uh, to Lee's point, and Twitter is doing amazing things for in the crypto space. So if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you need to get a Twitter account and make sure that you're getting involved in this community because we want you here. And it's a really fun place to be. So make sure if you're hearing this on a podcast to get over here on Twitter and to follow these people because all of the people on on this show, I have Twitter, and interact frequently with the people that um, come to their community. So uh, please do that. Thank you so much for joining the show. We're going to stick around maybe for a little while and do an after show, another perk of coming to the live show. But until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse.